0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. Thanks as always for checking out the podcast. If somehow this is your first time or you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. You go to iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting, hit that subscribe button and you won't miss any of our future episodes. NFL draft season is here, so we've got a lot to discuss, plus the offensive coordinator search is going on, as we know. I've got a few notes on the coordinator search uh, to give you in a moment. But the big interview today, Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl takes place next week. It is the uh, premier uh, all-star, college all-star game pre-draft, week of practices. The league is there, so I will be there for that, and we'll bring you some of that coverage. So uh, we'll we'll get Jim's take here, though, uh, as a bit of a preview on, we went through the position's Specifically, it would be of interest to Washington. In other words, this is, it looks like a pretty good defensive line class, but we don't really think that's a big need for Washington. But we did talk about some of the other need areas and players to watch. So uh, a really insightful interview with Jim Nagy. Uh, by the way, if you missed it, I spoke with Logan Paulson uh, earlier this week. We talked a little bit about the Senior Bowl, but got into a lot of commanders conversation, a bunch of different topics covered, including the OC search, And some of the moves the Commanders did or did not make last offseason that they should try to rectify this one. So uh, check that out as well. Uh, And, of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, New stories up this week. More coming out of the Senior Bowl next week as well. All right, now before I get to my conversation with Jim Nagy, some uh, updates here on the offensive coordinator situation and and a couple other notes. As you... uh, Well, you you may not know. I shouldn't presume anything. But since we spoke last, Washington put in a request to interview 49ers running back coach Anthony Lynn. He was, of course, the former head coach for the Chargers. He was offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions in 2021. That would be number six on the list. Now, Lynn would fall into the bucket of the experienced coordinator candidates which includes pat Shermer and ken zampizzi that is where i maintain they are the likeliest to make their selection from i don't know of lynn's connection previous connection with rivera they both have been in the league for a while but beyond that i do not know whereas obviously zampizzi is on the raw is on the staff now and Shermer and rivera have worked together in the past uh the fact that Anthony Lynn is the running backs coach for one of the more successful rushing teams in the league, I think is notable. They're, they're, they've are they're also brought in running back coach Eric Studesville from Miami. They brought in Charles London from the Falcons, who is the quarterback coach, but he's been a running back coach uh, throughout his career until the last year or so. And obviously, the Falcons are one of the better running teams in the league as well. So it seems like that is something they are, at a minimum, trying to get some more insight on at this point. Now, my sense is the Anthony Lynn interview, should it happen, won't be until next week, which means this whole process is going to you know, drag out a, a few, several more days here. I don't know if we're going to get get news early in the week, midweek, late week, but you know, next week is where, right, or possibly even... Beyond that, if somehow the you know the Forty win, or there's other teams in this uh, that are still alive and they advance, that Washington would want to talk to, or maybe they've been waiting out the, the coaching searches elsewhere. We did finally get some movement around the league over the last 36 hours or so, so that's yeah, that should help the cause. But that's where we're at right now as far as what Washington's process is looking like. But speaking, of, or I should say, timeline is looking at looking like but I mentioned process. The general feel that I have based on my own thoughts, but as well as talking to people around the league is, as I said, Rivera looking at that bucket of experienced names. The reason primarily is I believe you would want somebody who has done this before, because this is obviously a pivotal season for Ron Rivera and, and this organization, but certainly for him hasn't had a winning year yet here in Washington. There's the potential for the ownership change, even if there's not an ownership change, you know, is would Dan Snyder take a fourth uh, non-winning season in a row? It seems a bit unlikely. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't win with one of these inexperienced uh, coaches, but it's 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 adding the unknown to the situation, and it doesn't feel like a move that Rivera would make. That said, I did have some people, really one person at least in particular, familiar with the process who suggested that they believes that Rivera is legitimately looking at these outside or these, you know, out of the box candidates. Um, we'll see. Like I said, if I had to put my chips down, I would put it on those experience names with Shermer or Zampese. The, um, the the likely one. I, I've heard different, you know, it feels like kind of a split on where people think it's going to go. Logan Paulson s- said he thinks it'll be Shermer. But I've had other people say Zampezi, and going Zampezi would probably make it life easier on Sam Howell, just because of the fact that it would be the you know the same system, presumably, that he was with before, and Ken Zampezi is, um you know, he's, he's already worked with Sam Howell, so you would think that would be the, the easier way to go. Now, one reason, to, keep it, to keep, keep it in the back of your mind, that Rivera could also go with somebody who has not done the OC job before is because he feels more stable in his situation than probably a lot of us do. One reason to feel more stable about that would be you think perhaps that the ownership isn't going to sell. And that is a notion that you get you, know, you hear some whispers about that that you know that that Dan Snyder's not ultimately going to go through with this. I think the majority of people still think it's that that there is it is going down that path of of a full sale. I'm not trying to get anybody to Freak out! I'm just telling you what I've heard. But like I said, I think primarily it would be um, to sell. But like I said, if Rivera goes with a person who has not been an OC before, he therefore perhaps feels more comfortable in uh, w- w- with his situation than than a lot of us probably do right uh, at this point. uh The team is still telling people that Sam Howell is viewed as at a minimum in the QB one mix, if not the actual. Front runner for that situation I, I maintain as do others around the league that they will of course add a veteran just you know at a minimum to have the backup but that veteran is you know pretty decent chance that that veteran ends up being the starter unless how blows things uh, out of the water this offseason which i'm, I'm not going to say is impossible but th- that's something to keep in mind there L- lastly i don't necessarily know that this is a huge deal but i have been told that some of the assistants are still waiting on a, uh, new contracts from the team now if Washington hires a OC that person and it's not Kenzie and right that person presumably would want to bring in some of their own coaches and that may be what is going on here it also we've talked before about um, you know budget uh, budget situations with regarding ownership. I, I don't know that we're, we're not talking about massive money here relative to the value of the franchise, but perhaps there's something there. I am not I mean they wouldn't hire coaches, but they're waiting it out um, at the moment. I'm not sure what it all means. I just wanted to share with you that information because it's notable. You see the Dallas Cowboys uh, fired a bunch of coaches today. Other teams have been doing that. Some in bulk. Other than Scott Turner, which is a big one, that hasn't happened here, but we but a couple guys are still waiting to, uh, to for their contracts. Again, doesn't mean they're not coming back, but they're waiting at the moment. Um, all right, so big weekend, of course, in the NFL, the two championship games. I'll just quickly say, I I would take uh, the Eagles and the points and the Bengals. Eagles giving the points and the Bengals right now. It's a, they're they're getting one. Uh, I think the Eagles Forty Nine ers matchup is fantastic. Probably the two deepest rosters in the league. Just a home home crowd, and you know I'm not saying Brock Purdy's gonna um, have a rough game, but just keep waiting for it to happen. On some level, uh, hasn't yet. He's been really impressive, but I'll go the Eagles, and then on the other side, you know, look, there's obviously the uncertainty with Mahomes, with Patrick Mahomes, but Joe Burrow, I'm just so impressed with what he continues to do. I saw somebody note this the other day. If he were to win this weekend, that and go to the super bowl that would mean in his last four years he's won a national title at lsu had his season cut his rookie season cut short as we know got hurt against washington then super bowl appearance super bowl appearance in four years that is crazy that's you know wildly impressive to say the least so philly cincinnati that's what i've got if you have uh picks on the game hit me up at ben Standig on twitter tell me your picks and give me some reasoning you know don't just give me a number, but can we, you know, or whatever, do, 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 do you? All right. Um, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Jim Nagy. We get into a, a good bit of what to expect from the senior bowl this week. We'll do that right now here on the standard group only podcast,
0: looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
1: commander season over in the nfl season still a ways to go, go here with the playoffs but winding down it means it is time to start talking about the nfl draft nobody better than to do that than our next guest he is the uh executive director of the senior bowl which means this is his time of year because the draft starts in mobile jim nagy thanks for your time how are you good ben how are you i'm good i'm good i'm excited i'll hopefully get a chance to see you in a couple of weeks, when I go down for the senior bowl, the game is February 4th on the NFL network, but it's the days preceding that with practices that gets NFL teams, uh, you know, really excited to get a, a close up look at the players. Um, because of the pandemic and everything over the last few years, I, I know things have been a little bit more limited, but it looks like things are going to be back to normal as far as, uh, how how the players and the coaches are going but also interactions with the media that uh which of course is the most important part uh (laughs) does that seem about right
2: yeah it does no we we were basically all back to normal last year except for the media part we did some podium stuff from the field uh and we're gonna yeah the, the last the last part of getting totally back to normal i guess would be uh to let you guys outside we're gonna have media day again um, but we're going to let media on the field post practice and not keep you all up in the in the stands this year. So, uh, yeah, probably about as close back to normal as we'll ever get.
1: Well, that's that's awesome, and um, I'm excited for I'm excited for that. You put in a lot of work into this every year, and there's always some different tweaks that you guys do, some upgrades. And one thing that's different this year is that I think is interesting is you guys have coordinators and assistant coaches populating the staffs rather than just individual teams and you're giving these coaches the opportunity to sort of go up a notch you've got four of the assistants are are from Washington they'll all be they're they're all the assistant coaches assistant position coaches here who will get to go up a notch um that's a fun dynamic I'm, I'm excited to uh see how that works
2: Yeah, you know, it's the first time in 74 years we haven't, 73 years we haven't had a full staff. So, again, when I got the call over the summer, I was a little perplexed about it um, when we were told about this format. But uh, now that we're here, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for our players because now we've got 16 of the 18 non-playoff teams represented on the staff. Um, You know, and there's always been, you know, a thought that the teams that coach in the game get, Really good behind the scenes, you know, intimate look at these players, which is which is the case. Um, you know, it doesn't always equate to guys being drafted out of the game. Last year, the Detroit Lions only picked one player and they were down here. You know, and there was I believe there was five teams that picked six players out of the game last year. None of them coached in the game. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um but I do I do like this format with with, again, half the league being around our guys. And I, I think that's important. So it should, uh, you know, and having some of the guys like Ryan Kerrigan, I think that's going to be cool. Having Ryan back down, I, I was scouting the game for uh, when Ryan came out of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, he went on to an awesome career there in Washington and a, a former first round pick from our game. So to have a have a guy like that to come back and actually coach. Him. And I know Ryan, I've talked to Ryan. He's fired up to get back down to Mobile. He hasn't been here since he made in the game. Sure. so um some of that stuff's gonna be a lot of fun
1: well when you see him don't be shocked when you see how skinny he is now he is uh <laughs> he, he's dropped some weight since uh not that he was like a massive guy but yeah he's he he doesn't look like a guy who was uh taking on 300 pound offensive tackles anymore um <laughs> before i get to the game this year can i go back to last year's game sure. uh, you mentioned some teams draft multiple players washington did they drafted brian robinson they also drafted one of the quarterbacks you had in that game, Sam Howell, who is now, of course, at the moment projected to be Washington's starting quarterback for this year, or at least in the in the in the real competition for that. He, he started the last game for Washington. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that, but give us a little insight about Sam Howell, because you had the chance to 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 scout him during his career at, at North Carolina and then be around him l- l- last year. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all still trying to process who Sam Howell is. What's your insight on on, on the uh, the young man?
2: Yeah, it was cool seeing Sam. I didn't get to see that game. Obviously, I saw the, saw the stat um, sheet. Sure. It looks like Sam played really well. I'll say this: when it comes to Sam, I think the league really overthought that one. You know, coming into the year. He had a lot. He was in a lot of those mock first round drafts, and not that those things are ever right either. I mean, those things are, can be really wrong as well. But it not not only was it like a first rounder I mean, a lot of people have him, him as a top ten pick, right? Um, and I think it's just you know I'd kind of lump him in with Justin Herbert, who I feel like was one of the most misevaluated players in the last you know ten years. Um, I think we lose sight of how dependent the quarterback position is, and if you just look at Sam's sophomore year. Uh, when he really lit it up, you know he had two drafted wide receivers. He had two drafted running backs. Um, so you lose four NFL skill guys going into your junior year. That's tough. Um, so yeah, did he have as good a junior year as, as people maybe projected? No. But that's because they didn't they didn't take into account he was working in a bunch of a bunch of young and experienced skill guys and far less talented skill guys. So. Um, you know, I think too much was made of that. I, one thing I did like about Sam's junior year is, man, you really saw the athlete, you saw the runner. Um, this guy can. Uh, I didn't give him credit enough off sophomore tape of how mobile he is and and how tough he was. So, um, you know, again, it's just a one game exposure, but you know, I think great timing for Sam and great timing for the Washington Commanders. Now you're riding into the you're riding into the off and your fan base has a little bit of hope that that you might have that guy at that position. So. Um, I know from like a team's perspective, you're fired the, the, the commander's gotta be fired up. At least the fan base is like, okay, Sam, we might not be convicted that Sam's the guy, but you might, you know, you might think you got some hope that he is. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Sam having a full offseason of work is probably hopefully the starter. I mean, those are those are different reps too. When you're the starter, it's a whole different off season. When you're the starter, you're the backup. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what next August and September look like.
1: Yeah, no, I think we all are. He's still, this is why people like draft picks instead of assigning veterans, depending on who the veteran is. It's because they're still wrapped in a box and you get to open it and you don't quite know what it is. This one, we've sort of like picked the top up, We kind of peeked inside, got a little look, but we still haven't completely unwrapped it. And that's the fun. And you mentioned hope. I think that's really what 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 is all about. Um, Yeah, it's going to be really interesting for sure. He was for me, other than Kenny Pickett, the quarterback I like the most. Last year, but like you said, they all got pushed down and I guess maybe teams overthought it. Um, but we will see what happens. Um, I don't know if Washington will draft a quarterback this year, but perhaps they do take a day three flyer. You've got a bunch of interesting quarterbacks this year. Max Duggan from Duggan or Duggan? Duggan. Duggan from uh, TCU. Obviously had a great year. Heisman candidate. He's, I guess I would say, the headliner for your class. Is there anybody from that class? And maybe it's it's Max himself who, if Washington says, we like the Sam Howell model, here's a guy we want to draft to have another one in the pipeline. Is there anyone in this class that kind of, you know, stylistically at least, kind of reminds you of him?
2: Yeah, you know, I think with this year's game, I'm cheating on you right now. I'm kind of peeking over at the board right now sure. <laughs> in, in our group. Um, you know, we, we I think we've got a, a five-year run with first-round quarterbacks that's probably going to get snapped this year. But, uh, but the thing I like about this group is that they're all really bunched in. When you talk to the teams, and, and we do, we, we spend a lot of time throughout the fall, um, just comparing notes and comparing grades and, and making sure we're bringing the players the NFL wants to see in our game. Um, that Clayton Toon from Houston, Doug and Jaron Hall from BYU, Jay Kanner from Fresno, um, I mean, that's a really tightly packed in group. And then Tyson Badgett, our small school guy from, from Shepard University, um probably a a little bit lower than that foursome but everyone's got those guys in that fourth fifth round mix um so it'll be interesting to see which guys elevate and if any guys can get into day two out of that group um you know again just a couple years ago starting this process same time two or three years ago when Jalen Hurts was down here the league had fours and fives on him too um and he had a great week down here threw it really well at at the combine and, and ended up going in the second round and now in hindsight, it looks like Jalen was underdrafted. Right? Um, right, he played like a franchise. He look, played like a franchise quarterback this year. So um, that'll be the interesting thing. I think all these guys are. It's a, a pretty tightly, tightly uh, graded group. So we'll see who elevates.
1: Yeah, no, that's going to be uh, 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 always fun to see who steps up in these moments when you've got the whole NFL world is there watching you. Um, a quarterback is always the sexiest position. Offensive line. Not as much, but this is where Washington needs the most help this year, other than, you know, determining if Sam Howell is, is the answer. And there's a, a, some interesting names here for sure. Uh, Osiris Torrance is a guy that uh, our Dane Brugler had mocked into the first round this year. Before I ask you about some specific guys, when it comes to the coaching and the scouts, when it say the offensive line, what are they really getting to look at up close here to help them evaluate these players? I know it's not always just about the game, but even in practices, what are the things that teams are going to be looking at with offensive linemen to help gauge whether, you know, they, they like a guy or not? Yeah.
2: I mean, you throw scheme at scheme away because there's, you know, there's going to be zone teams and gap teams. They're going to be looking for different things physically out of the players. But um, I tell our young scouts when we, uh, we have, you know, we get a new scouting assistant crew and every year, and I tell those guys, like, Offensive line is the one place that, at least in my opinion, based off my history uh, in the league, is I would give up a little bit on athleticism at that spot to get the right kind of makeup and intangibles. Um, I think that stuff supersedes athleticism, and that's probably the only position I would say that about. Um, And I think you see that here in Mobile. I think that's why you see a lot of our offensive linemen make it and be really good players. If you look at this year's all-pro and Pro Bowl rosters, I mean, it's, it's littered with, with former senior bowl guys. And it's because of those one-on-one competitive periods where, you know, they take two reps back to back and, and, you know, you're going to, you're not going to tell all the guys when they get here, like you're not going to throw a shutout down here. You're going to get beat. Um, and so I think the league is up close. You're seeing the drills. You can read facial expression. You can read body language. You see how a guy responds to getting beat. You see how he's wired competitively. You see the work ethic. Like last year, um, you know, I think a great example of that was Zion Zion uh, Johnson from Boston College came down here, had never snapped before. He played guard and tackle at Boston College. And then one day we had a rainy practice and he's out there for a half hour in the rain working on snaps, working on shotgun snaps by himself after practice. Like I'd never seen anything like that before that. And that's kind of who Zion showed who he was all week, like in a lot of different ways, like who he was. Um, So I think the teams are really just cued into those things when it comes to the offensive line, more so than maybe the physical stuff. It's just like, are they the right kind of like blue? I think everyone's looking for blue collar guys at that position. And I think you see a lot of those things here in Mobile.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Zion went right after Washington took Jahan Dotson in the middle of the first round. So he definitely um, helped his, uh, helped his cause. Um, I mentioned Torrance, but from your perspective, what guys do you think in this class uh, could be uh, in the mix for first or, or second round picks? Washington has the 16th overall pick. And from my view, other than left tackle, I think everything is up for grabs. So anybody, anybody kind of say that to you possibly in that, you know, first or uh, second round range.
2: Yeah, there, there's a number of them, but if you're, if you feel like you're good at left tackle, I'd say two guys that would be in the mix at right tackle that I think are day one starting right tackles are Darnell Wright from Tennessee and Dewan Jones from uh Ohio State. So Jones is is a is a freak size wise. Uh he's got the longest wingspan of anyone I've ever seen. It's over 89 inches. Um <laughs> so yeah he's got the wingspan of someone that's seven foot five, which I mean if you can move your feet at all, it's gonna be really hard to around be hard to get around a guy that big.
1: Uh
2: you know and, he, and Darnell right like
1: 6'8, Wright- 359 right? Something like that.
2: Uh, he's close to three seventy, three eighty. Yeah he's he's a monster. He's over six eight. Um He's very similar size to uh, Daniel Falele last year from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of the tape, probably a, a, a notch higher than where Daniel Daniel was. And then Darnell Wright from Tennessee is one of the most improved players we saw all year. Um, on, on junior tape, he was playing left tackle. He made the move to right tackle this year. And I hate to say it this way, but he almost looked like a different player. Um, you know, just – I mean – he was a. We had him in the late rounds, and now we've got up there and like you know that easily slam dunk day two guy. Could he get to the first round? Certainly. Um, I think Cody Mop from from North Dakota State. You talked about Osiris Torrance. They call him Cybo. Um, so you'll be hearing a lot of Cybo talk when you're down here. Those are all guys that uh, if you're looking at like right tackle types, and Cody could be a guard as well. Um, those guys all would make sense for Washington.
1: Um There's always some fun uh, local kids in the mix. Maryland's got three players. There, including uh, Jalen Duncan, who was like a guard tackle type, I think somebody told me they thought he could be the best athlete among the offensive linemen this year. Is that sound by right, by right?
2: Yeah, and that's why I didn't talk about Jalen because he's a left tackle all the way. Um, gotcha. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not drafted. He's going to get drafted before the Washington would pick a right tackle. He's going to get drafted to be a left tackle by somebody else. He's, he is, he is a a, a, a very good athlete. Um, you know, and, and if you just grade the upside of the player, he's he's got high upside starting left tackle ability in the league. So this will be a big week for him. Just some inconsistencies on tape. Um, but, you know, when he's on, he's on. And it, when, it, when, when he's when he's dialed in, it looks the way it's supposed to look to be a starting NFL left tackle for sure.
1: I know you are obviously focused on the senior class, but in general, like, how does this offensive line group look? Meaning, does if does a team like Washington, if they want one, do they need to kind of get one kind of early, or are there are there still pretty good value kind of all the way through?
2: Yeah, Ben, um, I am focused on the seniors. I won't get to the junior stuff until later. I mean, I'm aware of the names. I just haven't.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never I never
2: like to misspeak on those guys unless I mean I know where they're projected to go and, and where they are in, in the in the media stuff, but I like to do my own work on that stuff. But I will say the thing I think is going to be interesting with the offensive line class this year, Ben, is uh I think we saw across the league offensive line play was probably down a little bit. Um just you know, just making a blanket statement. There there was some
1: for sure. You know, some
2: team some teams struggled up front. I think, you know, as a result of that, I think you might see a bunch of these guys in this group quote-unquote overdrafted maybe um i think you're gonna see a lot of those linemen pushed up so i think if you are going to go after guys that are projected to be you know year one starters if you want to go get one um rather than maybe getting a guy in the third run you might have to take him in the second i think maybe maybe around level some of those guys are going to get pushed a little bit
1: is the it, it does feel like it, over the last few years the offensive lineman the, the play in general has has uh gotten a little bit worse, and I think this year was pretty noticeable, like you said. Certainly it was here. And I think there has been some notion that because of the way the college game has evolved with more, I don't know, air raids, but like just more passing and and and, and get, these linemen maybe not developing some of the skills that sort of their traditional linemen have had. But the NFL is now seems to be morphing more into what the college is doing. Do you think that, if I'm reading that right, does that ultimately help these guys make that transition or what do you see as the reason for why there's been a little bit of a dip lately?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think you, you nailed it. it. It used to be more of a trickle down thing. I think you're seeing more concepts. I know there's no such thing as trickling up, but I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of trickle down is. Uh, but yeah, you're seeing more, you're seeing, you're seeing the NFL be more open-minded um, pulling stuff from the college game. And I think that's because the coaching in the NFL is getting younger. Um certainly I, I think the issue I think a bigger picture issue and again I don't know how this gets rectified because we've gone down that road and I don't see it reversing it's just the practice time in pads um, I know the NFL you only get 14 padded practices during the regular season that's like what less than one a week on average I mean and then even in the off season, you're losing these players there's only a certain amount of time you can have them in the building so it's just in, in on both sides of the line you know both in the trenches on both sides I think you know, big man development is just something that's that's really hurting right now. And uh, and you're seeing a play on Sundays be affected by it.
1: Um, one more position on offense I wanted to ask you about. Uh, tight end. Uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, Michael Meyer from Notre Dame is not in the game is like, maybe the best name out there. But this looks like a pretty good class. You've got a guy like Luke Musgrave who's gotten some attention, I know, coming, he's coming off of a knee injury at Oregon State. T- talk about the group here because I know Washington – in my view, could certainly use uh some help at that position.
0: Yeah,
2: and I'll say this. I know Michael Myers is a really good player, so I'm not I'm not knocking Michael Meyer at all, but I think when you read the media stuff, there's there's the, he's like the consensus guy. But when you talk right. to people in the league, that a lot of teams have higher grades on Luke Musgrave. Okay. Um and I'm and, and I promise I'm not saying that because he's coming here to play in the Cedar <laughs> Bowl. He's uh he's just he's he's gonna he could run in the high four fours at 260 pounds. Uh, which, which, if he does that, I mean that's a pretty special size, speed combination at 6'5", 6'6", 260. Um, and he only played in two games this year, so production's a little limited. But when you, you know, when you watch the body of work, when you pull up an all targets cut up of the guy from the last couple of years, um, his ability to get down the field and make plays is, is is it's pretty intriguing. Even though I hate using that word intriguing, it's uh you, you'd love to see what it would look like over a full full senior season. So yeah, it's a good group. And then you got like Dalton Kincaid and, um, you work down the list. I mean, Davis Allen from Clemson is a guy that I think is pretty underrated. I, I just did our senior bowl roster reveal thing out with uh, the NFL network, uh, last week or the week before with, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks and, and Rhett Lewis and, and, um, you know, DJ brought up Davis Allen. He's like, man, I didn't know much about this guy till I started watching him before their roster reveal show. He's like, man, this guy's a really good player. So yeah, if they need, if they need help there, um, there, there's certainly this is a good group to pick from.
1: OK, well, I'll be definitely keeping my eye on on, on them. Um, just to flip over to um, to the defensive side, I would say Washington's top needs there would be Mike linebacker and another corner, maybe slot specifically, but another corner. Any players from that, from those positions for you or somebody we should keep an eye on? Yeah,
2: I mean, there there's there's some off the ball linebackers in this group that can really run um are gonna be sideline the sideline guys like the league's looking for that really have ranged demari being and from from Texas, dorian Williams from Tulane. Um Deion Henley from Washington State is a guy that again I, I brought up Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. I think Deon Henley's one of the most improved players in this draft too. I mean he he was at Nevada last year with with Cole Turner and and uh, some of the guys we we had in Romeo Doves we had three Nevada guys in the game last year and and again, he fell below the line. Wouldn't even have gotten an invite last year. And he he trans you know, he portals up to Washington State, and that's phenomenal year. He's he's a downhill player. He's really physical. He's explosive on contacts. He runs sideline to sideline. Um, he does really good things in zone coverage. So uh, Henley's a name. And then if you're looking for like a classic Mike linebacker, Henry Toe Toe um, is as smart and as instinctive as you're going to find in this year's draft. So he's not going to probably test as well as those other three names that that I threw out there, but um, if you're looking for a classic Mike that can find the football, um, and really knows how to navigate the box, it's, uh, it's Henry Toto from, from Alabama. Um,
1: all right. Um, I got more names to, to, to keep an eye on. Um, l- l- lastly, I know all these players are like your children. I'm sure you love them all equally. You don't want to, you don't want to pick, pick one over the other, but like, I'm just curious, like at, at the top of the food chain, who, who was Who was like a guy that maybe I haven't mentioned yet who is like viewed as, Hey, if we have to sort of put the one or two guys on the poster to promote, this is the event. And then these are the names. And then the other end, who are guys who were just, nobody seems to be discussing that you think could make a name for themselves this week.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I personally would put Luke Musgrave up there. I'd put Kenny McIntosh, the running back from Georgia up there. You know, we, we, you know, B Rob did a great job in in Washington this year and, and really ran his butt off and, was the same guy there that he was at Alabama. I mean he's a he's a violent physical runner. I think that's one of the best stories of the NFL season was his him coming back from from that uh, that scary that scary thing that happened with the shooting. But yeah. uh, but Kenny McIntosh is a guy that's super explosive, played in a rotation there at Georgia. So we maybe haven't seen a full body of work too like what his numbers would have been if you were a bell cow at Georgia, but he's not, you know, and he, but he's a, he's a great guy in the past game. I think he'll show that down here. So I mean those are those are a couple guys um, that really stick out. And then guys that maybe people aren't talking about again, I'm, I'm cheating. My eyes are wandering from the camera right now, but, no, um, some of the guys that people aren't talking about, like Jamie Robinson is a safety from Florida state. Um, that's getting a lot of Jalen Petrie comparisons in the league. Jalen Petrie was in our game last year, a safety from Baylor had a really good rookie year for the Texans with five interceptions, finished second in the league and picks this year. So, Jamie's a guy, I think, uh, you know, a guy like Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame is a, is one of the juniors in the game this year. And he had back-to-back double-digit sacks years he at Notre Dame. Um, talking to his agent right now, he's down there training with Will Anderson from Alabama, who everybody's talking about. Um, and just talking, you know, just hearing what those trainers are saying about Isaiah and how he looks, you know, in that group of guys he's training with. i um, excited to get see what Isaiah looks like down here, too. You get a, you get a guy that has, you know, double-digit sacks. Accuracy, like Notre Dame um I'm excited to see what he looks like in one-on-one pass rush stuff
1: awesome Jim I always appreciate the time I know I will be there in Mobile excited I suspect a lot of people <laughs> listening will not uh have a chance to go but if they want to track it during the week other than reading me or my colleagues is there anything online for them to kind of keep an eye on or, or what uh or what else can they uh sort of pay attention to
2: well, we're going to be cranking out a lot of original content um, here at the Senior Bowl on our social channels. Uh, my, my personal Twitter, Senior Bowl Twitter, we hired a new content, an additional content creator this this summer. Um, Johnny Williams, who, who played college football at Duke, um, played corner and wide out at Duke. So Johnny's going to be cranking out a bunch, a bunch of stuff for us. And then, uh, you know, it's, the practices are going to be on ESPN and NFL Network and, he, and NFL Plus this year. So we've never had the NFL Plus feature. Um, so they're going to be doing live practices on NFL plus, which I know the league's excited about. So um, you, if, if you want to watch practice and every, a lot of people do uh, you want to get a jump on these names and, and get a, get ahead of people by the time we get to April um, there's no shortage of places to find this year's game.
1: Yeah, Everybody loves to scout uh, whether it's from the sidelines or the couch. So you got to, you got to watch fine. to have, to have a better t- opinion, Jim. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you and uh, checking out all the players.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Love doing this every year.